Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Last week, I want you to know that I was discovered. COVID had kind of kept my identity under wraps pretty well, but with the building change coming, my cover was blown and the phone call came. The woman said, Mrs. Strange, we just realized you have four kids coming into the band in the fall and we were hoping that you would be able to help us with something. Well, my first and honest reaction was to delete the message. It was a message because the number that showed up on my phone was from West Palm Beach, Florida. We do not live in West Palm Beach, Florida or anywhere close to that. That's always someone wanting to help me pay my unpaid taxes or help me redo my school loan, which does not exist, or remind me that there is a warrant out for my arrest. Some nonsense like that. If you are not a number I recognize, I do not answer. And sometimes, even if I do recognize it, I don't answer it. I love using my phone for most other things besides talking. If you call me, I'm likely not going to (laughs) answer. So it was with this woman from West Palm Beach, Florida. But after a few days, I decided I needed to return the call and actually converse with the representative and find out what they needed because I do indeed have four kids in the band and will have for the next few years. I called her back and asked what I could do for her. The skinny of it is to take on a load of responsibility. Either organize all the box trucks and the trailers every time we have to travel or be in charge of the uniforms for hundreds of kids, size everyone, keep everything in line, (laughs) or be the president. Honestly, I'm leaning towards being the president. At least I know how to do that. Apparently, no one wants to step up and take the lead in these areas where leadership is needed. Namely, the main lead role. This reminded me of this situation. I was attending a church that we had been at for almost a decade. where There was no women's minister at the time. In many churches, that role is almost non-existent these days. Or it's done by a team. Or, if you're lucky, you've got a part-time person. We had none of the above. Since my passion is women's ministry, and I spent several weeks during the year at other places where they're doing it really well, I approached our leadership about possibly offering a meeting to see if anyone was interested in maybe pulling something together. Not official, but just sort of pulling something together. Well, I received the blessing, and we scheduled the first meeting. Then the second, and after the third, I no longer scheduled anything. Because most people came with some fringe idea or project they wanted to do. We made zero progress during those days, and no one seemed to be able to find the forest for a tree that was right in front of them. We needed a cohesive ministry plan, a plan that was anchored in theology, built on a biblical model with actionable steps we could implement and lead others to do the same. But that was going to take real leadership. And we didn't have any. And nor was there a plan to bring any on. And I I just looked around that room and I thought, we're going to get nowhere because everybody wants to do their own thing, which is not cohesive nor a ministry plan. These two experiences illuminate the real need for godly leadership you and I experience in real life through different seasons. I want to suggest that each of us can grow in our leadership abilities in order to lead well in whatever capacity the Lord directs. I can be confident of this because Jesus himself teaches this principle and it's cited across scripture. Like my Palm Beach Island, Palm Beach band buddy, there are instances when 
there is a leadership vacuum. Bringing solid, godly leadership into the room is exactly how you and I can sometimes be the gospel in and through our communities. One of the questions Jesus most definitely answers for us in word and action is, how do I lead well? And that's really what I want to focus on today. Five ways we can lead well. The most familiar and obvious place to begin, if we look to scripture, is the book of John, where it is written, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And when he had washed their feet and put on the outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have just done for you? And you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you think about the beginning of this passage, because Jesus knew who he was, he was sure of it. He was not wallowing around in self-pity or stuck in fear, buried in insecurities and unfulfilled dreams. He believed he was the son of God, that he had come from him and was sure he was going to return to him. Therefore, he was free. There's no monkey on his back. He knows God has called him to lead, and therefore he can, without losing any face, serve in any capacity. Jesus demonstrates this in a most vivid way, doing a job none of them are willing to do. The objective in leading is to serve. Everything they did from that point on was to spill out of this reality. And this became evident through the life of Jesus and his death, which Paul so greatly articulates in Philippians 2, where he writes, Though he was in the form of God, Jesus he's speaking of, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant. And what Paul encourages readers to do is to have this same mindset. This servant leadership mindset is the model, the overarching umbrella over which all other aspects stem out of. And from this mindset, we can take some elements from Jesus to help us learn how to lead well. Bill Lawrence who's the president of Leader Formation International at Bible.com, says that leadership is an act of influencing or serving others out of Christ's interests in their lives so that they accomplish God's purposes for and through them. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about as we look at five elements that Jesus teaches. Current leadership training is really all over the map if you do anything in leadership development. My husband is in leadership positions both vocationally and through the church. He informs me that some of the latest theory is that there are different types of leadership giftedness that right now is being termed like genius. Basically that one person cannot possibly lead in all of the different facets that an organization or entity needs in order to thrive. And I'm sort of prone to buy into this based on propensities and personalities and really personal experiences. But Jesus is in a class by himself. He's a guru when it comes to learning how to lead in a way that reflects the Father and Kingdom purposes. One thing Jesus does as a leader is cast a vision. Think about the types of parables recorded. There are not all over the map like we think they would be if you're only going to leave for three years and you really need to get everything out that's possibly going to happen in the next two eternity. <laughs> You'd want to leave no stone unturned, but 
he doesn't leave us with a wealth of new do's and don'ts. Instead, he casts a vision for those who are going to follow. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus begins with the vision of the kingdom of heaven, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Then the very next verse he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And then in chapter 22, he says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. And he goes on. And then in Mark 4:26, it's written that the kingdom of heaven is as if a man could scatter seeds on the ground. And then in Luke 17, he added another aspect. When asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God will not come with observable signs. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or there it is, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. It was central to the ministry of Jesus to help people understand, or at least have a conception of the kingdom of God. He was casting a vision. Another example offered is his preparation of the disciples for his death and resurrection. He tells them before anything happens, but they do not understand. He casts this vision for what's going to come, not only the difficult moments, but the hope that is theirs to come. Matthew 16, 21 says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He does this in other places, markedly in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Throughout his entire ministry, Jesus leads with vision. He knows where he's taking his tribe, we might say, and he serves all along the journey toward the destination. Jesus possesses the personal, spiritual maturity and wisdom to do this because of the second element, element number two, to pursue personal development. Jesus was in tune with the Father. Time after time, the Bible records him going out to solitary places to pray, Mark 1.35, or that it was his habit to go out into the wilderness or lonely places, Mark 5.15, that he prayed through the night before selecting his disciples, Luke 6.12, and the time he dismissed the crowd, sending the disciples on across the Mediterranean in a boat and disappeared for most of the night to pray. That's Mark 14.23. That's just the name of few. We have all sorts of acronyms for staying current and up to date with our particular fields of expertise. Some of us have hours that are required each year to keep a license, or we must get our hands stamped for attending certain seminars. People who lead well, like Jesus, do the same in their relationship with the Father. They make efforts to grow, to be with Him, to literally develop, to hear, to gain the necessary know-how, to complete the position He has entrusted to them. In fact, number one, to cast a vision is impossible to do successfully without diligently doing. Number two, time and prayer is essential in order to lead well in kingdom standards. There is no shortcut. And that is the mechanism by which we measure kingdom standards, not American standards or Western standards. And in light of this, the third element that Jesus demonstrates to a T is integrity. So the third element is to demonstrate integrity. How do we measure this in Jesus? Well, he was perfect, but he wasn't perfect for perfection's sake. And that same strain that Paul gave in Philippians about Jesus taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he adds, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death 
on a cross, he became obedient. Jesus clearly tells us, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, in John 6. And in John 14, he says, But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Jesus lived out a life of love to his Father, and he demonstrated that love through obedience. That's the message of the cross, and we are the benefactors. Integrity and leadership on our parts is going to look a lot like Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's the same kind of relationship. It's a love relationship. It's not a time clock sort of punching in to do your do's and don'ts. It's it's like this camp rules that we operate under. They're guidelines for fun having. They're not rules of what you can do and what you can't do. There's, there's something about the semantics of it, but it's more than that. It's more than the semantics. It's the motivation behind the semantics. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love him enough to demonstrate it with your life person who leads well will answer with an affectionate yes will that person falter and fail from time to time yes you bet but she will get up and love him again and again and again with her whole life this is going to be her pursuit to live with integrity and serve with integrity that is how you lead well jesus does something else in terms of leadership he offers clear direction as he leads maybe the disciples would beg to differ because they didn't seem to be sure of what he was talking about a lot of the times for instance they say maybe he's upset we forgot to bring any food on the boat they don't understand what he's talking about or when thomas says in john 14 lord how can we know which way you're going to go and jesus returns with i am the way (laughs) i am the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me they have this little ditty going on and and thomas is totally off base but in luke 9 44 jesus very much wants them to understand he says let these words sink in the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of man he's trying to be so clear i mean i don't see how you could be any more clear than that being on the other side of it they didn't understand and they were afraid to ask him jesus did not explain everything to the masses but to his inner circle a number that we're not privy to know it was not just the 12 but enough to carry the gospel forth after the resurrection he spoke clearly he explained he communicated in relatable illustrations everyday situations tangible things in Matthew 7 we get everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock compared to the sand he also talks about the kingdom of God as being like a net thrown into the sea these guys were fishermen they could understand this their whole culture was based around things like this Then he says in Luke 13, if you have faith like a mustard seed, they would have been familiar with that. In Matthew 22, he offers a story about a lost coin. Then he talks about that you have to have faith like a child. Then in John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd, because they were familiar with that concept. Then he says in John 10, I am the gate. He is very tangible. Then he says in John 4, I am living water, because water was so important. They were in the desert. They knew about water. And the importance of it. And then in John 15, he says, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. When John the Baptist is in prison and he sort of lost his vision, it's dark, it's lonely, it's depressing, his hope is gone. He's not sure about anything he thought he once knew. He sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus speaks to them and he says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me jesus gives john what you and i are given he gives him biblical 
truth. All of these realities that he just listed off for him were things in the word of God promised that would come about by the Messiah. That's how they would recognize him. Biblical truth, that's what brings clarity. Today, you and I might be asked to lead in areas that are completely secular, like organizing uniforms for the band (laughs) or something like that, like the local public school high school band. How does any of this relate? You might have opportunities, necessities, crises when your worldview makes an impact. Jesus calls us to lead out of biblical truth, to offer clear directions, not to muddle the way, hope, where there is none, light, unexplainable. That requires that we know the directions ourselves and how to point others toward them. Leading is serious business, and there is a vacuum that needs to be filled in our communities. So when you're given such opportunity, be clear in your direction so people can follow. The last point I noticed recently as I've been reading each morning, Jesus leads out in front. I hadn't really picked up on this little detail, but it stands out to me because in our family, I do not. I bring up the rear. And the reason is twofold. Number one, it's my husband's job to lead in our family. And it's mine to make sure that no one is left behind. Our family's large and we make quite a scene when we travel anywhere. That's just how we have to navigate airports, amusement parks, Walmart, church aisles, malls and streets. But number two, unless they forget and let me in the front, we're off like there's no tomorrow because I'm a fast walker. In fact, I'm currently walking more than ever in my life and I just had to be treated for a speed walking injury at the doctor. (laughs) I had two shots to the nerves in a toe and everyone is breathless if they let me loose. So they keep me sort of hemmed in in the rear in most of our family outings. So when I came across some of these examples, it just struck me. And Jesus led them up a high mountain by themselves. Or when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And then another one is then before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the last time where he's taken to be beaten and crucified. Listen to how he enters the scene. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Even after the resurrection, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted his hands and blessed them, and he was carried away. Jesus leads. He leads well, out in front, taking the heat, the hard questions, showing the way, and reminding us not to be afraid, to step out. Just maybe you needed this reminder, this encouragement, this kick, to call that woman badgering about serving back, to serve to lead well like Jesus. When given the opportunity, cast a vision. Always be pursuing personal development with the Lord. Demonstrate integrity, offer clear direction, and lead out in front. Let me remind you that we have resources for you that are free right now. These will maybe be some of the last resources like this that are gonna be free. We have provided you with a 30-day reading plan that you can go deeper in your own personal study with. Along with that, there's going to be a writing plan and a journal for you. So go ahead and access these resources while you can and take advantage of it. All you have to do is go to the website and there's a bar across it that says free reading plan. And you just click on it and provide your email and you will get those resources. Uh, Know that I love going through this journey with you. I love being here with you. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to being with you again soon. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. And I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know 
other difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.